if somebody were to ask me, Pastor Jeff, what is the greatest need in today's modern church? Well, what do you see as the church's greatest single need? I'll give you two. One, discernment. And that means being able to tell what is of God, not of God, what's from God, what's not from God, what is right, what's not right, what is true, what's not true. And then the second thing I would say is that the church would develop a biblical world view. So important. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. About a year and a half, I did a little series on this, but I can't escape it. I can't get it off my mind that, that we need to hear this. And so I'm going to approach it again, and I'm going to start a series today called Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. I want you to say it with me. Change your mind, change your life. Do you believe that? I'm going to show you that that's true. You change your mind, you change the way you think, you change your life. See, most of our trouble happens in between our two ears. That's where the devil attacks us, the battlefield of the mind, right? But God wants us renewed in our minds, and I want to read just one verse, Hebrews 11, verse 3. We're going to put it up there. Since it's only one verse and pretty short, I want you to read it with me. Are you ready? Let's read. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Isn't that powerful? Everything you see wasn't made by something you can see, but it was made by an invisible hand, the hand of God. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts, and I pray that in the next few weeks, you will help Turning Point Church, this congregation, and me right along with everybody else to develop, to cultivate, to grow a a biblical world view. Lord, renew our minds, renew our hearts, change us, rearrange us, renovate us. Now I want you to breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, today, change my mind and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, change your mind, change your life. I want you to remember that. That is a truism. That is really true. Now, I want to go back to this verse. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. How do we come to that understanding that the worlds were framed not by evolution, but by the word of God? By faith, not stupid faith, not ignorant faith, not blind faith, not non-rational faith, but by understanding that God's word is true. And when it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? I accept that by faith. By faith, I understand that the world's reframed by the word of God. Now, this verse illustrates a biblical world view. All right? Now, what is a world view? I'm going to make it real simple. A world view is simply how you view the world. How's that for complicated? A world view is how you view the world. It's the lens through which you view life and everything in it. Notice how the writer of Hebrews 11.3 sees the entire universe as being created by God. And his belief in a creator God worldview, a creator God worldview, 
is the lens through which he views everything, including the entire universe. He sees everything through that lens. He's not an evolutionist. He's not an atheist. He's not an agnostic. He is, he is not undecided. God made it all. And, and, and that's his guiding worldview. By faith, we understand that the worlds, the universe, were all framed by the spoken word of God. Something came out of nothing. God created. He said, let there be, and it was. We can't do that. Only God can do that. God creates something out of nothing. We've got to have something to work with. We can make one thing out of another thing, but we can't create something out of nothing. But God can. Now, I want to talk to you today about the importance of your worldview. Number one, the importance of a worldview. I want, I want that little phrase to stick in your mind, the importance of a worldview. And I'm going to show you why it's so important in just a moment. And I'm going to talk to you about what a worldview is. And then I'm going to talk to you about two kinds of worldviews you can have. There's only two options. And I'm going to show you what they are. Now, let's just start out with this fact. Everybody in here and everybody watching, everybody listening later by radio, all of you have a worldview. There's nobody in here without a worldview. Whether or not you realize it, you've already accepted certain beliefs and values that affect the way you view all of life and reality. You've already said, this is true, that's not true, that is a legitimate value, that's not This is something that I can build my life around, and that's not. You've already accepted premises, um, supposed truth, theological, philosophical, ethical, moral. You've already accepted them. Now, and, and you've got a worldview. Everybody in here has a worldview already. And I aim to change some of your worldviews. God aims to change our worldview from the moment we're saved to the moment we go to heaven. God is at work to change and rearrange and renovate and renew our world view. If I put on some red tinted sun, I looked for some, I used to have some, they were hippie glasses. They were red tinted. I can't find them, but just imagine they're on. If I put on some red tinted sunglasses, I see all of you through a red tint. There is no way I can look at anything and not see anything that I look at Without that red tint, everything looks red when I look through red-tinted glasses. All right? That's the power of a worldview. You can't look at anything moral, ethical, philosophical, theological. You can't look at anything without seeing it through the lens of your worldview. It colors everything. It affects everything. Your worldview answers questions like this. Is there a God? If so, what is he like? What is truth? Is it absolute, fixed, and unchanging, unbendable? Or is it relative and subject to changing with the times? Truth, moral truth, ethical truth, lifestyle truth, gender truth. Where did the universe come from? Your worldview will answer that and already has answered it and everybody listening to me right now. Where did the universe come from? If you're in America, you got two choices. It either came from evolution or it came from God. 
What is the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? Do you know how many people are perishing in our nation right now because they have not been able to come to the conclusion about what the meaning of their life is? Do you know that I read that, that more American military soldiers have committed suicide in the last three months than the entire military force of America were killed by COVID since COVID began? Why do you check out like that? Why would you just check out? I'll tell you why. Because you no longer see meaning. You no longer see purpose. You may not even realize what you're grappling with, but you're grappling with why am I here and why does it matter? And is there any reason for me to be here? And well, I guess not. Your worldview answers that. What you have accepted as true answers that. Why am I here? Does my life have a purpose? And if so, what is my purpose? What is it? To make money, raise kids, pay the bills, retire with a nice 401k, hit the golf course for a few years and die? Is there life after death? Huge worldview question. Is there an eternity or is this it? And when you die, you return to the dust. Uh, uh, Are humans basically just smart apes with superior hygiene and fashion sense? Or are we fundamentally different in major ways? Are we created in God's image? Or are we just spit on the earth by an evolutionary process that could care less if you live or die? Your worldview will guide how you view and how you respond to all the hot button topics of our day. See, right now, folks, we're in a nation that is, that is having major, major clashing of worldviews. You believe you came from evolution, you believe there is no God, you believe all these various things, or you do. And those two worldviews, there is a civil war going on between worldviews right now. How you respond to the issue of abortion, gender, same-sex relationships, morality, evolution, how you respond to all of those is going to be dictated by your worldview. Your worldview is also the seedbed from which all of your daily decisions are made. You don't make a daily decision with almost anything apart from what your worldview is telling you and guiding you to do. So your worldview dictates the lifestyle you choose. Can you see why it's so important? Your worldview dictates the lifestyle you choose. Now, here's an irrefutable truth. Here it is. You ready? We all behave in accordance with what we believe. And what we believe fashions our worldview. So here's the million-dollar question. Where do you get your truth? Where do you get your moral code? Where do you get your ethics? Where do you get the way you view people? Where do you get the way you view God and the universe and everything that is around us? Where do you get it? Who, Who is informing your brain on what is true or not. Where are you getting it? Because it's coming from somewhere. And what you accept as being true is gonna dictate your lifestyle. You're gonna build your lifestyle around what you decide is true. That's why Jesus said, he that hears these sayings of mine and does them, does them, builds their lifestyle around them. 
I will liken him to a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the wind blew and the floods came and the rain fell and beat on that house. The trials of life beat on that house, but it did not fall. It did not collapse. It did not give in. It did not, it did not go away. It wasn't washed away and destroyed because it was founded upon a rock. And what was the rock? Jesus truth. It's that simple. There was only two worldviews available to us. Only two. A worldly worldview and a biblical worldview. There's only two. You got your choice of two. A worldly worldview or a biblical worldview. You've got one of the two or a mix of both today. Let me tell you what a worldly worldview is. A worldly worldview is when you embrace and accept the values of and view the universe like an unbeliever. A person without God. A worldly worldview reasons this way. There's no absolute, fixed, unbending moral code or lifestyle. I'm going to read that again. There is no absolute, fixed, unbending moral code or right lifestyle. Worldly worldview. There's no absolute truth. It goes on. Truth is what I decided is for me. That's a worldly worldview. Your truth, your truth, and my truth may be very different, but it's my individual choice to make as I see fit. Because I'm the master of my destiny, and I alone decide what is true for my life, morally, ethically, theologically, philosophically, in every way. I decide. Your your decisions, when you've got a worldly worldview, are not guided by a transcendent source. Something above you, beyond you, and that is the word of God. If you have a worldly worldview, the Bible is not guiding you. The Bible is not directing you. The Bible is not that which you are fashioning your lifestyle around. You're fashioning it around your own judgment, what is true and what is not true. And the only problem with that is, Proverbs 16, 25 says, before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road. He thinks is right, but it ends in death. See, as fallen people, because we are fallen, we are a fallen race. Adam fell, we all fell with him. We're born with a fallen nature. So, so truth is skewed. We can't arrive at truth from our own judgment because we are living in a house of flesh and with a fallen nature that naturally sins against God. So we are not going to arrive at truth, the kind of truth that will get us to heaven on our own. It's never going to happen. There is something that may look like it's right, but the Bible says it's going to lead you to death. Now, here's the rub. Born-again Christians can be saved but still retain a worldly worldview. And I think this is something that's happening in the church all over America. I'm going to say it again. Here, here's the rub. This is, the, this is why I'm preaching on this. Because born-again Christians can be saved but still retain a worldly worldview. They don't yet see the world through the lens of Scripture. Their minds are not being renewed by the Word of God. They have not submitted their minds to the truth of Scripture. See, when we get saved, our spirit man is saved. It's going to live forever. we got eternal life. But our brain has been raised in this world, and we have accepted all kinds of faulty thinking, faulty values, wrong morals, wrong ethics, wrong everything. And so what God wants to do is erase all the old and replace it with the new. Everybody say erase and replace. 
So when I open up the word of God and I read it, what it does is it washes my mind. The washing of water by the word, Paul describes it in Ephesians. The washing of water by the word, it renews my mind. It gets rid of the old way of thinking and replaces it with a new way of thinking. This is why Paul makes a plea. And, and, and folks, it's not a suggestion. This is a command. He says, do not be. That is emphatic. Do not be. That is not saying, go pray about this. He's saying, he's saying, I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing. How are we transformed? By the renewing. How are we transformed? How are we changed? By the renewing of what is upstairs, my mind. I'm, I'm transformed by changing my mind renewing my mind so that you may prove that means test that means verify what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect now the word conform means to fit into a mold to be shaped by somebody or something else when he says don't be conformed to this world he's saying don't be fit into the mold into this world's way of thinking and doing don't allow yourself as a believer to accept the values of the beliefs of and the lifestyles of this world No, don't do it. Command, do not be, but be renewed. The word renewed means renovated, made completely new. Complete change for the better. And how am I transformed? By the renewing of my thinking. We're all saved, full of stinking thinking. And God wants to get rid of the stinking thinking and put it in and replace it with God's way of thinking, God's way of doing, God's way of viewing things. We must, we must walk in renewed minds. You're either going to be conformed to this world. That's the choice. Shaped into its mold by the way you think, which is to have a worldly worldview, or you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, renovated, made brand new, completely changed for the better, which is the result of a biblical worldview. And our world out there is always trying to teach you and me. Talk shows. Oprah, Dr. Phil. Experts. I always wonder, what's an expert? What makes you an expert? Do they always call these people experts? Experts in what? Some of them have experts in stupidity. They do. They may be educated. They may be educated, but, but they're saying stupid things. Amen. Sometimes I want to throw a rock at that TV. I go, are you crazy? Yes, you are crazy. Change your mind, change your life. Change your mind, change your life. Change the way you think, change your life. I can say that authoritatively from the word of God because he said, change your mind and you are transformed. Metamorphuo is the, the Greek word. It's literally a, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It's that radical. We are transformed. Metamorphuo. We, are, we go through metamorphosis, a total transformation from one thing to another as our minds are renewed. The Bible teaches every professing Christian, all of us. How many of you in here are a professing Christian? All right, he, he, the Bible teaches all of us 
that it's crucial. It, it, it's, you know what? It's indispensable that your mind is changed by daily being in the word of God. To undergo this renewing of your mind where I open up that Bible and I say, you know what? Let God be true and every man a liar. What God tells me about morals, what God tells me about ethics, what God tells me about marriage, what God tells me about child rearing, what God tells me about forgiveness, what God tells me about every single issue of life, let God be true and every other emotion or every other message a lie. I am submitted to the truth of the word of God. That's what believers do. They don't cherry pick which ones they like and which ones they don't. No, that whole Bible is God's revealed will. You got a Bible in your hand, you got a library in your hand, 66 books, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, and every one of them, every word is God breathed to teach us, guide us, lead us, direct us, correct us, and renew our minds, change our minds. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, listen to this, let the spirit renew your thoughts. And attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Another version. Now your attitudes and thoughts. Must be constantly changing. For the better. Yes you must be a new. And different person. Holy and good. Clothe yourself with this new nature. Put it on. Get dressed in your new nature. One last version. You must be made new in your hearts and you must be made new in your thinking. Your thinking. Your worldview. Why is it so important? Let me give you three benefits quickly of having a biblical worldview. Number one, you will know God's will. How many of you want to know God's will? How many of you say, I wish I knew God's will about this? Well, I'm I'm giving you God's will. Listen to what Paul said. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what the will of God is. Because the will of God is good, it's acceptable and perfect. And the more you renew your mind, the more you're gonna discover it and walk in it. So renewing your mind means knowing God's will. Well, that right alone would make me chase after a renewed mind. But here's another one. You will know God better. How many of you wanna know God better? All right, how do, you, how do you know God better? By renewing your mind. Listen to this, here's what Peter said. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn, everybody say learn. So he's talking about upstairs in your brain. Learn to know him better and better. How do you do that? By the word, renewing of your mind. So you'll know God's will, you'll know God better. And you know what? You'll grow. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words, that's talking about upstairs in your brain. In your brain, hiding God's word, in your mind and in your heart, you will produce much fruit. You will produce much fruit. You will grow. You will know God's will, you know God better, and you will grow. If you renew your mind. Now let me share some stunning statistics with you, and I'm going to show you why I'm speaking on this. A recent Barna survey of 2,033 adults discovered that only 4% of Americans have a biblical perspective on life. And we wonder why America's in trouble. 4% have biblical values, morals, a biblical view of life. 
4%. But here's the real shocker. Only 9% of those who called themselves Christians were found to have a biblical worldview. Nine, one out of 10 had a biblical worldview. What's up with that? Are you kidding me? Somebody slap me. Are you kidding me? One out of 10 think biblically? What's happened to the other nine? Part of it is the pulpit's fault. Churches all over America are basically motivational seminars. They no longer preach the word of God. They don't teach the word of God. They don't open up the Bible and read a verse and expound on it. It's just a motivational seminar. You got it going on, guy. You go take the world, girl. You're a great big bundle of potentiality. God created something incredible when he made you. Now go tear it up. That's not the message in the New Testament. (sighs) I don't want to go to a motivational seminar. I want somebody to open up the word of God and tell me what God was telling me. I mean, come on, everybody. I don't want to go to a motivational seminar. A lot of the preachers out there on TV everywhere, listen, all they are is motivational speakers. They're not pastors. Because the Bible tells me as a pastor, preach the word. That's what it says. So that means that only a small minority of professing Christians believe in non-negotiable moral and spiritual truth. Only a small minority believe that God and his word are the ultimate source of all truth. Only a small minority believe that God's moral and spiritual truth doesn't bend and flex to fit worldly trends. Hence, only a small minority of professing Christians are building their lifestyles around God's word. So today, I want to begin a series on what a biblically changed mind looks like. How many of you want a biblical worldview? I can only have time to deal with one thing that you will for sure embrace. If you have a biblical worldview, this belief that I'm about to tell you is non-negotiable. And if you don't believe what I'm about to say, maybe you're not saved. Are you ready? If you have a biblical worldview, you will believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. You will. You will believe that. People with a worldly world view don't embrace this crucial Bible truth, including a lot of professing Christians. Let me blow your mind. Are you ready? One new study recently published, recently, by the Christian Post a mainstream conservative publication found that over 60% of professing Christians in America between the ages of 18 and 39 believe that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. 60% of those surveyed between 18 and 39 asked the question, is Jesus the only way to heaven? 60% said no. But they're professing Christians. They said that Buddha and Muhammad also are valid paths to salvation. 60%.
Did you catch that? 60%, 6-0 said that. Surveyed across America. The survey uh, interviewed 3,100 Americans from 18 to 55 years old. And it also uncovered a huge decline in Christians with a basic biblical worldview. Biblical beliefs on issues like God's attributes, he's sovereign, he's holy, he judges, he's uh, always been and always will be. The attributes of God were cast into doubt. The accuracy of the Bible, I don't know if the Bible is the word of God, I'm just not sure. The way to salvation, Jesus being sinless was doubted by a majority And a biblical worldview declined from 47% in 2010 to 25% in 2020. There is a precipitous drop in people having a biblical worldview. You come here, you're going to get a biblical worldview. I'm going to tell you, because I'm very, very, as a preacher, as a teacher of God's word, and as a Christian, these things ought to really trouble you. We live in a day, folks, where believing there is only one way to heaven, are you ready? Is considered narrow-minded, anti-intellectual, and even bigoted. If you believe there's only one way, then, then you're not inclusive. And since you're not inclusive, you're a bigot. Don't tell me there's only one way. God sees my heart. He does see your heart. That's the problem. That's why you need Christ. Rather than the one-wayness of Jesus, our society embraces tolerance. Unless you're a Christian, then there's no tolerance. But tolerance and believes in the equality of all religions. This is the warp and wolf and the sentimentality, the sentiment of our culture out there right now. That all religions are equal. One is no better than the other. Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, New Age. All are equal and equally able to get you to heaven. And that's the belief out there. And that has infiltrated the church clearly. The Apostle Paul prophesied about this very thing happening in the last days. He warned that a fake church, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, would emerge. He also warned, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. We're there. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Scratch my itching ears. Don't tell me the truth, but scratch my itch. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. I can't tell you the number of myths floating through the church these days. Fables, myths, old wives' fables and stories and nutty, loopy, crazy stuff that's not rooted in scripture at all but it's being taught and preached from pulpits. Again, he warned, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. This is the apostate church of the end times. All impressive on the outside, but knowing nothing of Jesus' salvation. And this fake church will thoroughly reject a worldview formed by Scripture. What does the Bible say about the one-wayness of Jesus in closing? Are you ready? 
There is salvation in no one else. I'm reading Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. Buddha didn't die for you. Muhammad didn't die for you. Confucius didn't die for you. And you didn't die for you. Your good works can't get you there. My good works can't get me there. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's the currency of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He's the only way. The only way. If you let that go, if you let that go, you're no longer a Christian. Jesus said of himself, you know the verse, I'm the way, the, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Sounds to me pretty non-negotiable. And they, the chief priests and scribes, all said to him, are you the son of God then? And Jesus looked at the chief priests who taught the Bible and said, yes, I am the son of God. You got it. That's me. And there's only one. For there is one God, Paul wrote, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Only one. How is it that 60% of people professing Christ no longer believe that? You know what I would would say? I'm going to be real bold. That 60%, I don't know if they're saved. Because how can you say, well, yeah, uh, uh, I'm a Christian, but I also believe that I could have gotten to heaven by Muhammad and I could have gotten to heaven by Buddha or I could have gotten to heaven by Confucius. So it doesn't really matter. You know what? No, you get saved based on truth. And the truth is that only Christ died for your sins. Only Christ rose from the dead. That's it. He's the only way. So I know this is hard-hitting and strong, and I know that. But Lord, we need some hard-hitting stuff these days. Where, where, I mean, come on, everybody. 60%? No, stand up with me, would you? I remember watching a very, very popular talk show once on TV. No names, it doesn't matter. But the host of the talk show, this was nationally very popular Millions of people watched it. The host of the talk show locked horns with a Christian woman in the audience. Because this Christian woman had dared to pipe up and say, because they were having a little back and forth interaction time with the audience. This woman has said, oh, I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The talk show host immediately said, he can't be the only way. He can't. I've noticed when I dial a phone number, if I get one number wrong, it doesn't matter how good my intentions are. It ain't going through. I got to get that number right. Or it's not going through. I'm not going to talk to who I'm dialing. You want to dial God? J-E-S-U-S.
And we, we clap and all that, but I, my heart goes out to people who haven't arrived at this. Because if you haven't arrived at this, I'm going to tell you right now, you're probably not saved. Our churches are full of people that aren't saved. So in the next few weeks, if you dare to come back, I probably lost some of you today. Whoa, that wasn't a motivational speech. No. Well, it is. Yeah, actually it is. I'm trying to motivate you to turn to Christ. I want to motivate you to turn to Christ. But but, um, if you'll hang with me in the next few weeks, we're going to, I mean, God's going to open up to us the truth about a biblical worldview and how it's affecting you if you don't have that. And how it will bless you if you do. Amen? So can we lift our hands to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, change my mind. Change my life. Help me to get into your word. To submit to the truth in it. To embrace the truth in it. No matter what I feel. Or what the world tells me. And if you today have not called out on Jesus to be saved, you may be going through a really hard time in your life. You may have come into church today going, What am I doing here? How did I end up here? Well, you were here because God wanted you to hear this. And maybe you've never said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way and the way for me to be saved. And you'd like to pray that prayer. Well, I want to pray it with you right now. We can do it. I did it years and years ago in a juvenile detention center as a 16-year-old boy. And he changed my mind and changed my life. He changed your life. So if you need to pray it with me and... Maybe you don't even need to pray. Maybe you want to pray it anyway. Let's just pray together and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. I repent of my sin, going my own way and breaking your commandments. Forgive me. I look to you as my Savior, and I receive you into my heart and life in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are glad you came to the house of God today? Amen. All right. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the people of God, how we love them, Lord, how you love them more than we ever could. Lord, I pray your blessing on every child of God in this house that as we go, you will bless us as we go. That, Lord, you'll be with us. And, Lord, you will guide us and direct us and make your face to shine upon us. And we thank you for the blessing of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God and God goes with you. We love you. God bless you. Amen.